We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike to tell you along with Charlie Long. And on our Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text line is the host of BetQL Daily and Odyssey Sports betting insider Eddie Gross. Insider calls are presented by BetMGM. Go check out all of the latest lines on the BetMGM app. Also, be sure to check out the BetQL Daily Podcast for more of Ed's analysis. Just search BetQL wherever you find your podcast. Ed, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Two quick questions for you. One, I'm going to ask you about Saints-Falcons. But secondly, uh, we were talking about this on the segment prior to you. Uh, you know, when players get older, and we see it with, with Cam Jordan, who I think he's going he's headed to Pro Football's Hall of Fame. He, he's going to get in there. Uh, he's been that type of player uh, in the National Football League. But as you get older, I think, uh, and I was telling the story, Jimmy Taylor had told me, you start to accumulate injuries. And plays that you could normally make, you don't quite make them anymore, either because of your age or injuries. You're not quite as quick. You maybe don't get off a block as fast, that sort of thing. Now, your locker room presence and everything else is important, but you do a lot of this in in watching different players and seeing a guy in the winter years of his career, uh, like Cam Jordan is, how great of a player he, he certainly was for the Saints and the fact that he has not been a big-time playmaker for him this year. And certainly age and injuries come into play there. Absolutely it does. And first off, I couldn't agree with you more that Cam Jordan is – going to camp no doubt about it like you you talk about someone who not only has played at a high level but has also played at a consistent level as well I think sometimes whenever I'm looking at ideas as far as who's going to make it to the next level things like that I go you know what consistency matters a great deal like can you find a five to seven year window where you are one of the best at your position and certainly with Cam Jordan I think we can definitely say that no doubt about it but I think when it comes to age like it's a matter of probability right Like, at some point, you play X number of snaps, X number of games, you're going to get hurt. It's a physical game. And so the likelihood that you're going to be injured just naturally goes up. And regardless of if you're a young guy or an older guy, the chances are rather high that when you come off of an injury that you are rebuilt to a point where you're just a little bit slower and a little bit weaker. And over time, this happens enough to where – you're just not who you were as a young man. And I think this happens to all of us. And it's very easy for us to relate to this dynamic, right? Like, I'm not as fast as I used to be, uh, in large part because, say, like, you know, one of my knees is, you know, a little bit banged up. Or, you know, maybe, you know, I've got, you know, a few extra pounds that I don't want to have or whatever it is. But that's just the reality of it all. And I think it's important that if, say, like you're looking at a player who hangs on to his career too long, that's not necessarily a bad thing if he's paid appropriately. I think it's important to remember that window of time when someone was at their peak. And I think with Cam Jordan, we definitely saw that. Your thoughts on Saints-Falcons? Yes. So with the Saints, I'm going to lay the points here. I think they can – beat Atlanta by at least three, uh, partially because my model has this as Saints four and a half. And part of it is the Falcons passing game has been absolutely abysmal. We know that. The Saints don't have to muster some exceptional coverage to, to win that particular battle. But also, too, this Falcons defense, like I know Jesse Bates has gotten a lot of credit and a lot of pub, We've been beat deep lately. Yep, he sure has. And this defense in general has been beat uh, deep lately. I looked at uh, in terms of 
passer rating allowed on plays beyond 20 air yards, and the passer rating allowed is 105.2. That's not good. That means that a quarterback can have consistent success going deep. And I do think that, say, like, even though Chris Olave was limited on Wednesday and, you know, sort of, you know, been taking a step back, I guess, in practice this week in general, I think he can be due for a monster outing. So I'm expecting that connection to be very good and why the Saints win this game and cover the number. Your thoughts on the other part of it, uh, Carolina, Tampa Bay. Man, they had their champagne out, Ed. They were ready to pop their cork <laughs> in Tampa. Uh, you better put that champagne on back on ice. Uh, it's not going to work. Uh, but, man, uh, the Panthers here. You talk about did they lay an egg last Sunday? Yeah. Oh my God, they they, they got beat <laughs> down. Now Tampa seemed to be a team with absolutely no life at all. I mean, you know, with so much at stake at home, and it was a dud, absolute sure dud. A hundred percent, it was. And at the same time, I, I look at Baker Mayfield and what he's done, and how uh, offense coordinator Dave Canales has sort of been able to untap the most out of him. I look at this and I go, maybe a bet on Tampa Bay money line is probably just the safest thing. Like, even though four and a half is kind of a tricky number and I could see Carolina losing by a field goal, probably the safest play is just to assume that Tampa Bay is going to win this thing outright. Now, there are a couple of outing, and, you know, I believe the Saints can still make the playoffs even if Tampa Bay wins. <laughs> it will require a bunch of things to happen, but I don't necessarily think it's out of the realm of possibilities. And so I think you have a couple of scenarios where this could happen. But as far as like that other piece, as far as winning the division, I don't see that happening. I think Tampa Bay is just going to win outright, and it's, they'll probably do it in a kind of business-like fashion. Hopping to the AFC here, Ed, I, there's actually a couple of games I want to ask you about with playoff implications. So we're going to start with the Saturday night game, kind of go chronologically, so to speak. Uh, the Texans yeah. at the Colts, I mean, this Texan squad both, and Colts squad both kind of surpassed expert- expectations this year, both 9-7. and seven. It's effectively for a playoff spot. Now, I know both teams could hypothetically win – uh, the AFC South, if Jacksonville were to lose, uh, but this is basically going to be for a wild card uh, spot. I mean, I, I, Houston's been better at home than they've been on the road this year, but at the same time, it's been like the opposite for the Colts. They've been better on the road than they've been at home. Uh, mm-hmm. And I just can't get the bad taste out of my mouth from Indianapolis and how they looked against Atlanta just a couple weeks ago. I know that they had a bounce back performance against the Raiders where they really controlled that game. Uh, but with this Texans Colts matchup, I think Houston's one and a half point favorites on the road. Are you touching this at all, playing any kind of props or spreads or anything like that? I do think Devin Singletary could have a monster outing. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a ton of rushing yards. So I think that's probably the best prop I'm most comfortable with. But as far as a side, I'm probably staying away more than anything else, in large part because the Colts have been – like, I'm with you. Like, I watched that Falcons game as well, and I'm like, what in the heck is this? Like, this is the same Indianapolis team that's been surprising us all. Shane Steichen, you know, is in the running for Coach of the Year, all that stuff. But you look at, say, like that defense, for instance, and they have been limiting explosive plays. Like, maybe there's not one thing that this Colts team can do really well, and that's why we're not talking about them all that much or giving them a whole lot of respect – but maybe it's just a little bit here, a little bit there. Like, Gardner Minshew hasn't been wonderful, just okay. Pass defense hasn't been wonderful, just okay. Michael Pittman's like that one receiver we know about. But collectively, maybe it just makes sense in a really bad division where you can do just enough to survive. And I don't know what to expect out of C.J. Stroud in a game like this, like with missing a couple games with, with a concussion. I get a little nervous about that. I also don't know as far as the remaining weapons the Texans uh, might have, like they're missing a lot of receivers. Ultimately, this is a stay away, but I wouldn't be surprised in the Texas ground game. That's how this stays close. 
And and then Sunday Night Football uh, between Buffalo and Miami for the AFC East, the, the premier matchup of the weekend in Week 18, so to mm-hmm. speak. The Bills, I mean, if you would have told Mike and I a month ago that they'd be competing for this division with you know Miami, I would have probably called you crazy. And they've won some <laughs> ugly games. They've won ugly. Like that, that game against the Chargers wasn't pretty. That game against the Patriots wasn't pretty either. Uh, but, I mean, if you look at this matchup between the Dolphins, Josh Allen in his career 9-2 and two, has won 9 of his last 10 against Miami. Uh, and I think a lot of sports bookies, I think, agree that maybe Miami's a little bit of a paper tiger, so to and, speak. And the <laughs> other thing, too, since Joe Brady has become the offensive coordinator, they've run the ball Buffalo, more. Buffalo, James Cook has been outstanding this year. James, they've hung their hat on Cook. You know what it reminds me of, Ed, 2019 at LSU, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cl- so uh, right, Clyde got underrated for what he did. He rushed for over 1,400 yards that year. He was a great receiver coming out of the backfield, but they set things up with Clyde. And, man, then you had them cats on the edges. Man, and you will, man, hold on because the storm's passing through uh, with that type of offensive firepower. So Buffalo's got a chance to jump all the way from the current sixth spot that they're in in the wild card race all the way up to the two if they win this game, if they win the AFC East. And they open as three-point favorites on the road. So I want to get your thoughts on this matchup. Yeah, of course. And, yeah, I remember 2019 really well. But I think it's one of those things where it's like because you had Justin Jefferson and Joe Burr and all these guys like just going nuts, like that's what we remember. Yeah. But, you know, CEH also had a lot to do with the, that overall success, so no doubt about it. And plus, like the fact that LSU had so many leads, they were able to salt those away. Like let's not underrate that part. Like that matters a great deal. I am actually backing the Dolphins plus three here uh, for a few reasons. Number one, I think – Joe Brady's fingerprints are definitely all over this Bills offense, but also, too, the tight ends are healthy. And they're, you know, at least okay in terms of run blocking and things like that. So that's kind of what the philosophy was supposed to be all season long, just that they were losing personnel. They couldn't go to 12 nearly as much as they wanted to. So because of that, they were forced to kind of do the intermediate thing, Josh Allen scrambling a little bit more. So it was part of that. I think, too, as far as specifically in this game, this is going to be very different than, than the first meeting when Buffalo just, you know, beat the crud out of the Dolphins, um, in large part because the Bills have lost a ton on defense. I think if there's inclement weather in this game, that this is going to stay on the ground. And I actually like Miami a good bit more with those running backs, especially those outside runs. Overall, they have been a good bit more efficient than James Cook has uh, through the middle. So that matters. And then also, too, Tyreek Hill, I know he hasn't been 100%. Maybe he's been a little bit distracted as well. What's impressed me the most about this passing attack from Miami is they're starting to go to other guys. I know Jalen Waddle won't be there in all likelihood, but they have been going to other targets. So I think they're not going to rely on Hill as much. And I think Tyreek's mere presence will keep this passing attack a little bit more dynamic. And I don't necessarily see Buffalo being on the same plateau as far as that passing attack goes. So I think Miami can keep this close. I'll ask you about Seattle, Arizona. We saw Arizona last week, and, man, everything went right, and they played like mm-hmm. their hair was on fire, and they really played great. Now they play Seattle. Uh, I got a feeling they come back down to earth here. I, I like Seattle mm-hmm. in this game. Just your thoughts on that. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. It's nice we're, we're seeing on the same page here. This feels good. I, I do believe in Seattle here, in, in large part because, like, Arizona with nuclear – to beat Philadelphia. I mean, it was Dorge. It was James Conner having a really, really good game. Kyler Murray had his best game of the season. That's not all going to happen at the same time for two consecutive weeks, especially against a divisional opponent. And yeah, this Seattle defense has left something to be desired. 
but they know what to be prepared for. It's not like Arizona's completely different offense. And that kind of was their Super Bowl. Jonathan Gannon, the head coach, going up against his former team, all of that stuff. So in that respect, I think the Seahawks, they will be just fine covering the two and a half. And then Ed, kind of moving to college football, the national championship game, Washington versus Michigan. I mean, the the semifinals this year were so exciting. The Sugar Bowl and the mm-hmm. Rose Bowl were both excellent matchups. And now Washington heads uh, into Houston against Michigan as four-and-a-half-point underdogs in the national championship game. Just want to get your early thoughts on this matchup. It is hard to go up against Michael Penix Jr. with the way he's been playing and the fact that he's a southpaw and sometimes a defense can be a little bit confused as far as sides and how you go up against a quarterback like that, not to mention Washington's receivers have been absolutely extraordinary. I think this line is fairly sharp. I'm not going to bet into that. But what I am curious about, though, is, okay, how does Michigan win this game? There are probably a number of ways they do it, whether it's J.J. McCarthy showing off, whether it's the ground game with Blake Corman company going off. That's probably how I think this happens, where I'm probably looking at, and it's a little square, but I'm probably looking at Blake Corum props and probably betting the over and doing that comfortably and Washington having to play from behind. So they're probably going to pass a little bit more. I think McMillan, the receiver is probably going to get a few more opportunities than he did in the semifinal. So those are probably the two guys I'm targeting to go over their player props once they get posted. Uh, But as far as the spread goes, I think it's about right. I think we should be due for a good game, but I do see Michigan winning this thing outright. One of the things that they better put a pass rush on Pennix. They better put a better one than Texas did, who got zero on him. Man. They got a lot of pressure on Jalen Milrow in that game against Alabama in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, but that's a a little different story. Milrow's not uh, Michael Penix. No, the one thing with Milrow, if you saw that, a lot of times he walks right into the pressure. Bob and I are watching it while we're doing the show, and Bob is like, what the hell's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Just throw from the pocket. Why are you walking into the pressure? Man, one thing with Mike, if you don't get to him fast, he is going to carve you apart like a surgeon. Exactly. That's how I kind of see why this game – I mean, the total is 56-and-a-half. I kind of like the under here just because I do trust the Michigan pass rushers a little bit more. When it came to Milrow, though, like some of those snaps were bad. Oh, I wonder if those goodness. things rattled him a little bit, you know, out of shotgun formation. I wonder how much of that, you know, involved like, okay – bad snap, something's gone wrong, I'm aborting this play and I'm just going to run through the middle because my athleticism could do something. We saw that in the final play. I wonder if that happened enough times or maybe the Michigan pass rush looked a little bit better than it was supposed to. But in a game like this, Penix isn't going to make those mistakes. Not at all. No, like, he's not. We are going to see a good passing attack. And they're also smart enough to where they can get rid of the, the ball quickly. Like, you know, quick throws less than two and a half seconds. Wouldn't be surprised if, say, it's those short throws where they try and generate more of a yak kind of an approach. That's how I think Washington stays in this game. Ed, thanks so much for joining us. Always appreciate it. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. And, uh, man, uh, we, could it be any action. better than the final two uh, that final four games in college football. Man, that was awesome fun. to watch. So much fun. Man, so much fun. Was that was a fun. blast. Thanks so much, Ed. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. All righty. That was the host of BetQL Daily and Odyssey Sports Betting Insider, Eddie Gross. Insider calls are presented by BetMGM. Go check out all of the latest lines on the BetMGM app. 